All right, here we go. Episode whatever. 11. 11 of the beer side. And we're at one of my favorite places with one of my favorite people. It's Matt. How are you, buddy? Hey, y'all. How are you? Thanks for we're, doing uh, this. We're also at one of my favorite places with one of my favorite people. Oh, really? So pretty, yeah, what about me, April. Though? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was talking about me, but I like all you guys. We all know. Are those in the know know what you're talking about? That April's the favorite? No, that Matt's world evolves around him. I, I am no, my bi- I'm my biggest fan mm-hmm. for sure, um, but that's everybody not, should be you. Everybody yeah, should be their own biggest fan. That's not ego driven. That. That's just more like uh, if you don't love yourself, how can you exactly. give anything else to anybody? That is straight up Jesus teaching and right yeah. there. It's hard to fight with fact though. Yeah, if it's fact, it's you know fact. you're your biggest fan. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, I do. I, I definitely have an ego. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah I'm just and I'm, it's sitting right here next to us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it is. So this is the episode I've been almost waiting for more than anybody else because I I love nothing more than the time we get to spend together to talk not just because you're fun and we're in the same industry and you've been very successful you're a smart businessman but damn the stories and just everything you have to say is just I leave here thinking wow I'm a little bit smarter today I I feel like I'm getting set up not I feel a, like I'm getting set no, up so bad. No, when you came to visit us and you were like, okay, how much is each seat in here? How much is it worth to you? And we were both looking at you like, what? <laughs> Are we supposed to know that? Like, you made yeah. us smarter. Like, we actually sat and figured it out. Well, I mean, like, so none of that's, uh, you know, inherent, I guess. It's uh, it's organic. It grew. I, uh, you know, I, uh, I guys, I, I, I dropped, not a lot of people know this. I dropped out of high school. Um, I never went to college. Um, Yeah, I never went to college at all. Um, I've been self-educated and self-taught my entire life and my career. So uh, the bottom line is is that, like, I learned the things that I talk to you guys about and the things that I question you uh, about and kind of, you know, get your brain ticking. uh, That's all just from a lot of trial and error and touching hot stoves and burning your fingers, man. It's just life experience. That's all it is. And I've been doing it for a long time. So, um, but, yeah, it's it's all 100% organic. I had no I idea. I hear you're into organics. I like organics. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Monsanto. So let's get. I want to go back a little bit because I mean, people know you as you know the face of BRI, and you're here all the time and running the place. And but there's a little story before this. You were actually Coldstone. Yeah, I mean that's uh, so. I mean, my entire career has been in the restaurant industry from the time I was 13 years old until. Uh, today uh you know i dabble a little bit in retail outside of that and uh some consulting and things like that but uh, for the most part it's been in the restaurant industry and uh i was a young hungry uh 22 year old uh michigan transplant here in phoenix and uh needed a job and there was a guy that owned a little local uh ice cream shop and i got connected with him and uh, definitely like swore up and down like no I like I don't want to be scooping ice cream and you know playing so in an ice cream shop. So you seriously started by scooping ice cream at Coldstone? No, I, I walked in. I walked in as manager. I uh, I had some management background before that, um, but like but I but I knew inherently in a in a small uh, business like that in a small QSR business, I you're you're not just in the back in the office managing. I mean like you're doing everything. Um, so there you know I knew that before I went in. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to do this. But before I even went to the interview, I went and I checked out a couple of the shops and I saw the uh, quality of the product. I saw their growth. Uh, I saw their company culture. And I said, you know what, if, if, if I'm going to be doing that, then this is where it needs to be. It was still very much local. The corporate office was here. It was founded here. And I thought, okay, like, you know, maybe I can do time here for like a year, put it on my resume, move on. And was just able to uh, really... Uh, excel in that environment. I've definitely um, had some growth because of Coldstone as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I think everybody I has. After you told me it was like what twenty percent buttermilk. Fat? No, it's like, it's like fourteen percent, but it's I mean it's not good for you. It's an indulgence, and that's the way it should be treated. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a luxury. Brewery. It's a luxury. It's a product. luxury item. It was yeah, like one sure. of the last places that's open on the way home at night. Yeah. because we're starving. We we're it's, leaving the brewery at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. At it's night. delicious, that but it's dangerous. With brownies and oh, caramel in it is just pretty much like a little taste of heaven. Yeah, it's not wrong. No, it ain't wrong. Like it is so delicious. But yeah. it's, uh, I mean, that's diabetes in a pint, exactly. uh, hands yeah. down. But Insulin so, resistance. Not yet, anyway. Insulin yeah. resistance. <laughs> Absolutely. So, not, not good. Yet. Not yet. So we're I, close. Um, we're, I think we're, last time I did my Know Your Numbers at work, I was borderline. 
So, yeah. you know. Oh, borderline's not dying. No, right. Yeah, yeah. solid. Right. You're good. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, love the company culture, love the product. And that was the biggest thing is that, like, I knew I could get behind the product. I knew it was superior to anything else, right? And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I can do this for a while. And then when I got in, um, I just realized that, like, it was, it kind of fit my, my soul and my MO in that, like, I, I'm service-minded. Like, I'm, I'm an accommodator. I like making people happy. Uh, so the service industry has always been designed, you know, perfectly for me. Uh, so with Cold Stone, it was like people were coming in there because they've either had a bad day and they want to wash away their feelings and a uh, pint of ice cream, or they're having a good day, they're celebrating stuff, a uh, kid's birthday, uh, you know, uh, some kind of success in life, and they're having fun, celebrations, things like that. And uh, we genuinely made people happy with what we were giving them, right? And the service behind it was great, and so everything was awesome. And anyways, uh, long story short, I, I was presented with several amazing opportunities through that initial opportunity um, that I grabbed every single one of them that came at me. And I was able to climb that ladder really, really quick and have some just outstanding opportunities. I was, uh, uh, I was 28 years old uh, and I was the uh, vice president of a four state region with 152 stores in it. And I was making more money than any 28 year old ever should. And we were like just grinding our dicks down to zero every Ooh, day just painful. just just <laughs> grinding 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 we were working so hard but we were young we had horsepower and we had uh, you know a, a lot of money behind us and uh, we were able to really grow that brand in in uh in in our little chunk of real estate in the world and it was fun man i learned a lot i don't I mean, speaking of horsepower i mean did you go out and buy yourself like a expensive car and no i've not, i'm not that that's, guy man yeah that's not his thing that's the other I'm not that guy yeah, because you don't you you live no, you, you, you live in the right now. now. You drive like a. Like you drive a I drive Jeep. a 2011 Jeep Liberty. Yeah. Uh, and and quite frankly, I I literally just got it, and I just got it because I just killed my 2008 Jeep Liberty, and I was like, okay, well, I need a new car. I'm familiar with this one. I went out and I bought the same goddamn thing, just a couple of years newer, right? Um, but I but you know I bought it with cash because I don't want a car payment, uh -huh. and I'll uh -huh. I'll drive it until it's dead, and then I'll probably. Go get another Jeep Liberty. I don't know, you know, <laughs> but like I know what I like, They're and I know what them I'm, eventually. Oh, well, they, they already have. So like, oh, yeah, I'm already buying. Cherokee next, yeah, or? maybe I don't know, but <laughs> but the reality Ooh, is, dream, is that Matt, dare to dream. You know, yeah. I like I'm not driven by stuff like that. I I, I lead a, a fairly minimalist lifestyle. Like I, I like things and materialism don't drive me. Money doesn't drive me at all. Uh, and he, you know, it used to, it had its time and place, but it just doesn't anymore. Um, so I want experiences, man. I want to live, I want to live in the moment. I want to produce something of value and, uh, I just want to, you know, connect and touch people, man. Have That's you always been that way or were you, was there something during your business career that made you realize that I don't need these materialistic things? Um, I've never been very materialistic, um, in terms of like, uh, like trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh -huh. like that's never been in my wiring. Uh, I think that like back in the day, like for whatever reason, I had uh, some kind of connection to collecting things. Uh, and I think we all collect and hoard little things yeah. and stuff like that. I've got and a then, bad problem with that. Yeah. I, so, you know, it's been, you know, it's been uh, comic books and it's been music and it's been uh, books in general. And there's like things that I'll buy and acquire that I, I just never let go. And it's like, okay, well, I've already read that book four times. Like, I don't really need, like, I understand all the points and like, I don't really need that. But I, I always held it because it's like, what if I want to crack that open again and just read a chapter? What about well, sentimental value? That's what I do. I love books and I keep them for sentimental value. So I can't get rid of them. A book to me is just a collection of pieces of paper. It's got information in it and the information is important. So if I have that information, I'll carry that with me forever. I don't need the tangible object. So there's things that I have from my family or from you know people who have been important to me in life. Like I have those mementos. Those are important. Those bring me joy. Those uh, bring back a memory. But if it's just something uh, physical and tangible that doesn't like either serve a purpose or bring me happiness in any way, shape, or form, I don't need it. And so then, you know, so I, I look at things like that and, uh, yeah, like stuff like that doesn't drive me. So I used to collect a couple things. And then one day I, 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 I looked at um, my stuff 
And I said, you know, okay, so do I own this stuff or does this stuff own me? Because like every single week when we clean our house, I got to pull every fucking book off the shelf and I got to dust it and I got to put them all back. And I haven't read that book in like 10 years. Like, why do I still have it? Uh, and it just, it, and after a while, it just kind of like that thought for me anyways, just kind of became soul sucking. And I was like, I don't, I don't need this shit in my life. So I, I try to keep things around me and uh, that, that add value or that, you know, do something for me. And uh, just some weird materialistic object sitting on a shelf somewhere doesn't do anything for me at all. Um, but I handle relationships like that too, man. Like you're either adding and multiplying or you're subtracting and dividing. And as long as you're on that adding and multiplying side, you're part of my life. You start subtracting and dividing from my life, fuck you, you're out. Uh, and like that's- We um, made the cut. So yeah, as far no, as, you guys are all right. So as far as this relationship goes, at what point did the relationship at Stone Cold kind of... Oh, Cold Stone. Cold Stone. Stone, I, Stone Cold's a wrestler. I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to either, though. But at what point did, were you not happy with that? And at what point did your relationship with Greg happen? So, well, those are two way different things. So, like, let me keep you on point for your podcast, sir. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, those are those are two way different things. So I mean, so, I just assumed it's around the same time. That's why I asked. No, no, there, there's a pretty big time gap in there. But um, so with Coldstone, it was uh, one day I, I realized that the um, the company uh, goals and aspirations and the company vibe and culture no longer uh, matched mine. Okay, and so I had this I had this vision and I had this you know this. Uh, impact that I received from growing up in that company and getting my education and learning a lot about business and what to do and what not to do. And I realized at a certain point that it just, they just no longer aligned. Right. So I didn't, I didn't want to, uh, I just didn't want to be associated anymore, uh, because it wasn't good for me. Uh Okay. So that was a pretty easy thing to, to come to a conclusion on. Uh, and then from there, I, I left and I opened my own small business consulting company where I took the, you know, the 10 years of cold zone and development experience I had helping people grow uh, value and grow uh, personal net wealth and uh, run and operate their businesses and market it. And I took that and I launched my own company. And when I was when I was doing that work, I uh, uh, met a guy uh, that owned uh, and founded uh, the Chiba Hut uh, sandwich concept. God, I can't believe I was coming oh, all wow. over that. Yeah, I was getting there, but I was like, yeah, you're. So, so yeah, so I I started consulting with him, and uh, that that hit off really really good at first, and we were we were vibing, and uh, he said, hey, I want you over here full time, and I said, no can do, buddy. I got my own thing, and like, if you want my consulting, that's cool, but like I can't. I, I, I can't give you. Not all a lot of my people time. would say no to that. No shit. Yeah. So I what well, I didn't need it. Um, I thought it was a really cool company uh-huh. uh, and it vibed with me, right? Like, so, so there was a connection there. Uh, like first time I ever walked into a Chiba hut, I was like, these guys get me. Um, you know, this look, this place looks like my apartment when I was 20, but it smells like delicious sandwiches. What the fuck is going on? Right. We never made sandwiches this good in my apartment. Um, yeah. So, so it was cool, and he wanted me over full time, and I said, uh, I said the only way I'm interested in that is if I is if I own it uh-huh. with you. And so right. we worked out a deal, and I uh, bought in, and uh, we ran together for eight years, and uh, grew it substantially, and uh, you know it was a good run. And uh, so then, you know, at the end of that, I'm 18 years deep in uh, franchising, and uh, you know, uh, coaching and leading. Uh, community of franchisees and uh, man it, it's it, it sounds like fun and it really can be uh, but you're on a plane every week and you're sleeping in hotels and you're going from location to location uh, you're helping grown-ass adults uh, that have invested their entire life savings make the right decision because it's the right decision to make for their investment and you have to convince them to do that uh which just got mind-numbing to me it's like you guys have put everything you've ever done in your entire life on the line and i have to tell you how to do the right thing like it's just really exposed and i know it it was it was insanity (laughs) to me and i was doing it all the time and it was repetitive and i was like i don't want to babysit these guys anymore um if you're gonna put it all on the line and open your own business like be don't have it all figured out that's not prerequisite but at least be open to direction right and uh, so it just got tough. And I, uh, you know, when I was still with Coldstone back in the day, I 
I remember just getting burnt out on travel. And I remember looking at my wife one day and saying, you know, hey, when, when I'm all done with all this nonsense, I just want to open a little mom and pop place in Mesa. Uh, we'll focus on scratch made food and craft beer. And uh, I'll run it every day. I'll touch tables, make people happy. And in the, in the evening, I'll come home. Uh, I'll sleep in our bed with you every night instead of in a fucking hotel, and uh, like that's the dream. That'll be that'll be my that'll be my 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 final shot, right? Oh. Like let's run that until until retirement. And so that was the plan. And so when when so to get back to the second point of your non sequitur question, uh, <laughs> when I uh, when I when I, I met Greg several years before um, uh, Chiba Hut and. Uh, you know, I've, I've known Greg for a long time. Greg and I have known each other almost 20 years. And we, we really became, we started becoming friends when I came uh, right in between Cold Stone and, and Chiba Hut. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like 2005-ish, you know, around there. And uh, so um, so when Greg and I, so cover, like jumping over a big chunk of time, uh, when, when Greg and I sat down and, you know, I said, Hey man, I, like, I, I got it. I, I don't want to do corporate America anymore. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm cashing out on Chiba Hut. I, I'm, I'm going to wrap that up and you know, I need to open a brewery. Like we've been making great beer together. Um, like that's you guys what home brewing at the time. Yeah. We're home brewing. We've been brewing for about 10 years at that time. Uh, nine years actually. And I said, uh, this is what I want to do. Um, like, are, are you, are you in? And he immediately said, yes. Uh, and uh, he was like, you know, uh, definitely gotta uh, check a couple boxes like before we actually move forward. But, but uh, yes, and so like that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of the the whole trajectory. Yeah. So when wow. you guys started, you want to start the brewery? Was it something the more than lines because the entrepreneurship in you and your in your background, or were you looking at at hey, this might be something really cool to get into. This might be something that's gonna really blow up at some point. Let's get in there. No, it was it was more like. Um, I've got a really solid business background. I know what works and what doesn't work. I, I've been fortunate enough to be in two companies that I've that I've been able to make a tremendous amount of mistakes in and learn from that, um, and then watch other people's mis- like. That's the beauty of a franchise uh, operation is that you get you get like this this uh, this bird's eye view of other people's mistakes, mm-hmm. and you've got this uh, you know this training to help coach and correct that and, and to move them forward. So. Um, with that aspect, like I knew, I knew that my next move was going to be just independent and it wasn't going to be involved with a a larger company. I knew I wanted to open something myself. And so when I started talking to Greg about it, I was like, I was like, Hey, I've already got the concept on lock, like concepts on lock. Um, it's restaurant and craft beer. All we need to do is, is find a space that we can cram a brewery into and then we'll open it together and, and, and make it a, a, a brew pub. So it wasn't about, it wasn't about chasing a trend or a market or anything like that. It was about, we had a great, uh, we had a great uh, success run with homebrew. We were making some great beer at the mm-hmm. time and we both had the business background. Uh, and Greg is, uh, Greg's an amazing engineer. Um, he he knows how to look at a, a physical problem and and alter it or fix it or you know uh, re-engineer it to uh, perform better and more efficiently. And so like when Greg and I were home brewing, uh, like without a doubt, like I, in I'm I'm sure he shares the same opinion. But like I I think that I I was definitely more on the creative side of it, and he was more on the engineering side of it. He made our system more functional, more oper uh, more. Uh, operator friendly, uh, more uh, efficient in terms of getting our uh, targets and uh, creating less work and things like that. And so, like together, we were just a great one-two punch on that. Uh, but like, definitely took different approaches to it. So, so the the driving force was not oh craft beer market. We need to get in now. Like that was, I mean, and obviously that was part of the conversation, mm-hmm. but that wasn't anywhere close to being the driving force. Driving force is, um, I don't want motherfuckers telling me what to do, so I want to do it on my own. Two, I, uh, I, can, I can be successful in business because I've got a proven track record. We've got an idea, and we've got a great track record of brewing on a homebrew scale, and what we need to do is we need to ramp that up to a higher uh, capacity. And so, like, uh, that, those, were, those were the driving forces of, of opening BRI. It wasn't, it wasn't about jumping into the market and making a million bucks because 
you know, everybody says the only way to make a million bucks in brewing is to start with 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, That's that some is great so wisdom true. right there. Start, start with 10 million bucks and you might make, you might come out of it with a million. God, oh shit, huh? God. Yeah, it's always funny to me when people talk about, oh my God, you guys are following your dream and this is such a great thing and we want to do this. I want to do this. I want to make money doing this. Okay, stop. Because you're not going to make any money doing this. Like it's, yeah. I feel like sometimes I love the fact that you did this. It's like I did. We got into this for the passion of it. It wasn't just this money grab. There seems to be a lot of people who got into it recently mm-hmm. because it is the thing to do. People want it. It's like, oh, that's a great way to make money. Let's figure out how to put it's a brewery. It's not a great Whoever, who thinks this is a it great is way to make restaurant money? Restaurant tours. Yeah, it is not a great way to make mm-hmm. money. It is a great way to... Um, do what you love to do every day and be passionate about that and have a strong sense of reward for the effort that you put in. Mm-hmm. And spend money. It's a great way That's to solid. spend money. Um, yeah, man. Uh, again, I'm not money motivated, so I don't need to make... Uh, yeah, I have no, no desire to make six figures out of this year. If, if I wanted to, I could pull it. Um, we reinvest the money back into the business constantly to continue to grow it and support it. So, you know, yeah, if, you're, if your intention uh, or your goal or your drive is coming to brewing to make money, um, man, just save yourself a lot of loss and heartache and uh, effort and work and blood, sweat, and tears. Because um, that, if, if that's your goal, inevitably you're probably going to fail. Um, yeah, keep your day job. Yeah, become and a stockbroker or something. Yeah. Invest, invest. Just buy in index funds. And, yeah, it's it's <laughs> got to be, you got to be feeding your soul, man. And like, you know, so this is a labor of love. Uh, you know, do we make money? Sure. Um, I made a lot more money before I started doing uh-huh. this stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a slow burn. So, you know, do I think that, you know, our brand and, and our trajectory can get me back to, uh, like personally where I used to be or, you know, kind of what I came up through, you know, absolutely. Like that's definitely, yeah, but it's not like, it's not like a year but, two or three no. year turnaround. People don't understand that because they see these numbers that get thrown out from brewery selling, getting paid two, three, four hundred, a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, wow, I'm going to start a brewery and I'm going to sell it. And- but it's not the same. It's not the same goal either. When you start your own place and do your own thing, that's not your you're not trying to get to that place that where you were before. You're no, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to love life every day. Yes, and uh, that's and and so in order for me to be happy and love life, uh, I've got to be you know I've I've got to be controlling my own destiny, and I can't be in a cubicle somewhere. Uh, I'm not built for cages. Uh, just plain and simple. I'm a fucking wild animal, Brandon. <laughs> wild animal. Oh, I know. And I can't be in a cage. I agree. So you know that's. That's what's up. I and people had the conversation yesterday just talking about like when we're doing stuff and I don't know what I said, but I said something. I just don't like people telling me what to do. And what was it like you said something about that's funny the way you look at it. It's not because of what it is. Oh, I was saying how like you don't make plans for anything. Like we go on vacation and you have no plan. Whereas I'm like, what are we going to do on day one? What are we going to do on day two? What are we going to do on day three? And he's like, I, I like to go into stuff with no plan. And I'm like, I'm he goes, I don't want, vacation. Yeah, he goes, I don't want people telling me what to do. What to do <laughs> and I'm like, vacation. it's funny it. that you think of it as someone telling you what to do instead of just like having a plan. Like that doesn't mean that you're stuck to it. It's just like an outline. People live their lives according to a plan. Oh and my if you God. go on vacation, to, like we talked a little bit earlier, to decompress and do your thing. You can see both sides of this story. I know you can. Don't even yeah, sit there and pretend like listen, you can. Listen, I don't like plan vacations either. I don't like to plan a lot of things in. But there's certain things that when I go on vacation, I know I don't want to miss. And if I have to plan it, I have to plan it. So, you know, for instance, we, we had two planned events while we were on vacation. The rest of the time, we were just freestyling. That's fine. Um, and, and, I know and we're going to get there eventually. Yeah, I don't want to do it today. We'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that, like, That's, I'm fine ha- with that. having a general outline is, is solid for me. If I know, hey, there's these, you know, four or five things we want to do. Um, there's one that if we don't book a ticket or a time, we're not going to be able to do. And I want to experience that. I'll do that. But... Uh, there, there's a lot of people like I'll never go on a cruise ship ever again because cruise ship is timed and yes, regimented yes, and yes, you're doing this at this time this yes. and I, I'll never do it again the only I, time I'll ever do a cruise is if I don't want to have anything else to do yeah I just want to sleep and sleep not and do anything just, and drink yeah. and like keep I am an even so buzz banana daiquiris by the pool yeah, yeah that's and all, then, and that's all I want to do you that's you have good. to dress up for dinner I'm like fuck that I'm going to cruise you're not going to make me bring dress clothes don't fucking tell me what to do yeah I don't even know what to tie well I think I got one but I got to like work or like I don't know 30 40 years I don't know 
But I don't like to get tie on vacation. Who takes that fucking tie on vacation? Some people. Not this guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and that drives me insane. Yeah. So no, I, I feel that. I, I think that like, um, you know, having a, having uh, expectations of what you want to do is important for anything, even even vacations. And so if your if your expectation is to just like completely be unplugged and not have anything on your agenda, then what it really comes down to. Um, is uh, well, she's stepping away from the mic now so I can do this is having you two on the same page so that you can actually enjoy yourselves <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it hard when she's on yeah. this sometimes like, don't hate me for that April yeah. I, uh, I, do, I do understand like I do understand like a, a general loose agenda or you know uh, you know making sure that you at least have a checklist of stuff that you don't want to miss um, but yeah like what day are we doing on that or doing that on I don't care yeah, I don't care. So how important, I mean, for me, because the lack of taking time off, because it's not like you're, we're going to, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 anymore, and I'm going to plan my vacation. We're going to go to Disneyland, you know, seven months from now. How hard now do you find it to step away from your baby and leave it in the control of somebody's hands when you're not here, and then to decompress? Um, so that's kind of a, that's a little bit of a loaded question there. Um being able to step away for me at this point is easy. And it's easy because I have very, very, very capable people around me. Uh, we have, but it's been four years now? Uh, we're at like four and a half now. But they're really good at hiring people too, But, but at what point did you feel that comfort to say, you know what, I can step away this weekend. And oh. then when was it, when, when could I step away for a week? So I, uh, I, over the last couple of years, uh, my wife and I take a couple, you know, three to four day weekends uh, a year just to get out of town, refresh a little bit, and just to kind of blow some steam off. Uh, so I, I, I've been confident in that for a couple of years. Uh, first year we were in business, uh, you know, I always tell anybody that gets into business for the first time, first year of your business, you should be working in your business. And mm -hmm. you should know every square inch of it, and you should know how to do everything that happens under that roof. And then second year, you need to start working on your business, right? So I think that like the first couple years that we were into this, I, it was it was there was so much drive to grow it and grow it and grow it and, and get it to the point where it was at break even and then get it to the point where it's profitable and that happened very early on for us. But then like and then that's not enough because as soon as you as soon as you get back on your heels on that and you lean back a little bit, then you're no longer growing like you're just coasting. So. Um, we're, we're very driven people, so we want to keep pushing that and pushing that. And I knew that we have a growing, emerging brand. So first couple years, I, I didn't feel confident. And it wasn't that there was a lack of confidence in my people or the structure here. It was just like, I need to be working. I need to be working because I've, I've got something that we invested everything into. Um, I've got something that, like, I owe something to people. I owe something to my employees. I owe something to my partners. I owe. I owe, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, and I'm responsible for that. Like I, you know, I take that personally. So I want to make sure that everything works out great for everybody. And so I need to drive and I need to work and I need to push. So that was more of an internal thing for me is that I, I just, I didn't want to flip the switch off. Uh, then you get into your, you know, second year going into third year and there's a lot more comfort in, you know, taking a couple days off here and there. And, and then taking a couple days off is one thing, but taking a couple days off out of town, that's another thing, right? Uh, so I think that, you know, again, with my background and with the people that we have working for us that love this brand, uh, I mean, we've got a pretty good structure here. You know, we've got a uh, good operational flow. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, people don't, you know, don't take advantage of it. They, they love working here and they want to perform and, and watch the brand grow and rise them up with it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that, you know, I, I very easily could have taken a week vacation last year. I just didn't, right? Uh, so I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think you gotta you gotta put the time in. And if your business is if your business and your brand is important to you, um, put the work in. And then you know, there's time for everything later. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you you feel like are you at that point now? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I again. So I'm very very confident in all of our key people. Uh, the key people that run the different departments here at BRI uh, are, you know, stellar at what they do. And then we've got an amazing supporting uh, staff around them uh, from the, the brewery to the front of the house to the kitchen. Uh, we've got great people that, again, genuinely love working here. So, 
They're fancy. They have departments. I know we, 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 but we comment the fact that you, you always have really cool employees who seem to really enjoy and really embrace the brand and the culture of what you're trying to do here. And they've yeah. been here for a while. That's yeah. what's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, we, we try not to hire and train. Uh, and, I mean, of course, we do train, like what BRI is all about. But uh, we, don't, we don't hire people that like, have never been in the service industry before. We don't hire people that don't have any crap beer knowledge. So, uh, and, we, and we certainly don't hire assholes. What we do is we hire people that we see through their actions and through their body language and from their language that they walk the walk and talk the talk. Like they're already BRI before they ever even come in. They've just been looking for their home, right? And we have that, we have that safe haven. We have that, that breeding ground for more people like them uh, because you can be a little anti-establishment here. You can be a little punk rock. You can be against the grain. You can be that misfit. Like you can be all those things, and and like this is your home. The only thing that you need to have is you got to have the ability to wake up and piss excellence in the morning, right? <laughs> and you got to just you just got to want to kick it, uh, life in the ass every single day, and that's how you're wired. Not not my demand, not what I require out of you, but like that's just got to be your internal workings, and like and how you're how you're wired. And when when we sit them down and we start talking to them. Uh, that presents itself very soon uh, in that process. And then the reality is, is that because everybody that works here is wired like that, if you come in, you faked your way through an interview and you faked your way through an orientation and then you come in here and you suck, my crew's going to spit you out. You don't even have to worry about me. That's Fuck awesome. me. I'm not the guy you need to worry about. You need to worry about working with them because if you're not, if you come in half-stepping, you ain't going to make it. You're just not going to make, they're going to make your life miserable because like, this is what it takes to be a part of this family, this team, this tribe, right? And like you either bring it or you don't. I like the way you said that family. Because as a business owner and as a place, the industry we're in, we look at this as an extension of our family. And this is a lot of times it's our, it's our baby, it's our mistress, it's you know, our first love, you know? And that's what people, I think, that are really successful at this understand that and embrace that. And the fact that you've got employees that are buying into that, it only helps you in, in the long run because it's, if you get a toxic person into your environment, it's like a virus. It just spreads. It's easier to talk shit than it is about positive sometimes. 100%. So, but, you know, again, we breed, we breed that culture. And um, I'm sorry, you know what? We facilitate that culture. Uh, I wouldn't say we breed it. We facilitate it because... Again, the people that come in here to to gain employment, they're already wired like that. There there are people. So like this, you know, I, I I do look at this as my baby sometimes and things like that. But more importantly than anything else, it's a it's a reflection and an extension of my soul, dude. Mm-hmm. This is who I am, right? And so, um, with that, I have decisions to make every day. I've I've decisions to make on what I want to do what I want to accept, what I want to tolerate, who I want to spend my time with. I don't want to spend time with people that I don't like, right? So I want people around here that fit the vibe of this place because then it's easy. Then it's not so much, I mean, we do treat it like a family, but you know, here's the bad part about family. You don't get to pick them, right? Exactly right. They're they're just thrust upon you at birth. Uh, But you always get to pick your best friends and so it's a very, fr- it's, 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 I'd say it's more of a tribe than it is a, um, you know, than it is a, a, a family um, or maybe both, but it's very consensual. Uh, everybody wants to be here and they want to be here because it also reflects on their soul and who they are. Um, these guys are proud to say that they work at BRI and they know that we make dope beer in a great environment with great service and all these other great things. We've got amazing food and, and when, they, when they work here, it becomes a reflection of like they want it to positively reflect on that, right? Yeah. So it becomes part of you know. It's part, an honor for them to are. work here. Yeah, they like it. Yeah, you and guys are not like one of these. It's going to sound really wrong the way I'm going to try to say this. So I, I can't so wait. This is just like we said. There's a little maybe there's there's tears. There's places you want to work, and some people are just so desperate to get in this industry that they will just go. Maybe it's, it's the brewery in the, in their neighborhood. Maybe it's a brewery they heard about. But you guys are on another level. You guys have really created a really badass culture here that people, when they 
get here, it's like making it to the major leagues. They like being here. They like working for you. I mean, like, fuck, dude. I'm like, I'm, I pick your brain all the time. I would love nothing more than to sit here and shadow you and watch you do this because you are so good at this. So your employees, I'm sure, look up to you that this guy busts his fucking ass here all the time. He shows up here. He instills wisdom and knowledge into us from this guy who I didn't even know didn't finish high school that actually shows people that you can really do something with your life it's not about a structured environment it's not about college and taking an internship and, and going and punching a clockwork in a cubicle 40 hours 50 hours a week they've been able to come to your place your brewery and be part of this environment and this lifestyle and embrace it well, I mean, I, I wish I could say that's all true, man, and it, and it is for the most part, but um, like I, I, I'm certainly not here and in the mix and in the flow uh, the way I was in the first two years. Like, it just, it just, but it's that's different also now. You don't, you don't, like, you know? don't, like, you don't have to apologize for that, and that's the thing that always bugged me as a kid. I grew Sometimes up in a Sometimes I hang on business. to that, though, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That, like, uh, you never need to apologize for success, though. No, for sure. Um, but, like, there's a, there's, there's a, I, I, I'll tell you flat out, if, if everything else was handled and I could just walk from table to table and interact with customers and if I could jump behind the bar and bar back and rub elbows with the bartender and with the servers as we're passing drinks out and if I could just like interact with our customers and our, our employees like day to day, I would love to do that. Uh, like that's, that's the sweet spot for me, man. I'm a service-minded individual. Um, I want to uh, support and help, right? Uh, I think that I put the time in and laid a great foundation for that, and I've got other people carrying that torch now, which is amazing to see. Um, but like on the on the you know on the day to day, I've become functionally irrelevant, which is amazing. That's what any owner or any high level business uh, 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 executive or anything should always strive for: is to have so much power in your team and to have so many great people around you that are driving and following your you know your direction and your vision. Uh, that you become functionally irrelevant, and like, and, and and I and I use that term a lot, and I, you know, I've I've told my GM, I want I want you to create that for me, make me functionally irrelevant, because when that happens, um, then I can focus on the bigger picture things for the business, and like really really contribute to growth and development. Who um, is your GM? Is it Zach? Yeah, Zach Forsythe. Oh, and, he's awesome. And the dude's rad. Uh, he's he's one of the uh, best things employee-wise, uh, if not the best thing employee-wise that's ever happened to this place. He he gets it. He's service-minded. Uh, he and he's uh, a tasty snack. He's a tasty snack for sure. He's he's a tall drink of water. That kid. <laughs> he is. Uh, I wouldn't even say a tall drink of water. I'd say something better than water. He's, he's like tall. he's like a growler fill of he's a. Like he's like a pure growler IPA. fill of lolly. You're so, lolly. You're so saucy. <laughs> uh, so no, I like uh, I've been able to uh, take a person that was that came to me with uh, the drive and the hustle and the past background uh, restaurant and bar experience. And I've been able to mentor him, and he's been receptive to that mentorship. So let me and let me so, get you on that really quick. So when you started this place, was this your your plan as how as far as ownership and running the place would go, or did you guys get in here and think, hey, this isn't going to work the way we thought it would? We need to find somebody else to run some of this more day to day stuff I and really let us focus on were that. Gonna franchise. I thought you that was your goal. Was no, to no, that was in fact that's the the anti goal. I don't I don't ever want to do franchising ever again. It's uh, I I've seen the inside and the outside of it. I've been, I've been deep. I I've owned uh, the corporate structure of a franchise with Chiba Hut. Uh, and then I think that's why I just assumed that's what you wanted to no, do. I've been on the franchise all the time. No, that's I, I don't like that's the last thing in the world I want. Uh, there's a there's a uh, a gnarly little underbelly to franchising in terms of your morals uh, that just doesn't sit well with me anymore. Uh, I used to be able to justify it and like, you know, uh, law of large averages, like there's going to be certain failures, things like that. Man, when, when you got somebody in front of you that's put their life savings into a business and they're, they're incompetent to the point where they just can't make it work and you watch them crash and burn and you know that they used to have this beautiful house and now they, uh, them and their family and their kids have to find a place to rent and not, not that that's a bad thing, but like they were in your system and uh, it, it just like, I, I've seen a couple people lose everything that were like genuinely good people um, that probably should have never been doing what they were doing, and uh, it just sucks. So I don't, I don't ever want anything like that. I also know that when you have a brand 
and you release control of it to other people to operate your brand, it will always be a shadow of what your vision was. Um, it'll be their version of what your, what your vision was. And um, you gotta have a really, really streamlined, easy operation for that. Brewing is not streamlined and easy. Uh, there's a lot of uh, you know changes and tweaks that occur all the time. Uh, you know you, you can give you can give ten different brewers the same recipe on all the same equipment, and you're gonna get ten different beers. Uh, so and the conversation all the time. Yeah. So there's there's just the, like franchising this would be uh, all that would be as a money grab, and uh, we could probably do it, but I'm not motivated by money. Good. So. It's just that not even not even close. So I think the original concept was to get this guy up and running, make sure that we had our feet under us, make sure we were successful, and then maybe do multiple locations. Mm -hmm. So multiple locations that all had the same ownership in the same direction, yes. things like that. So that was always part of the plan. Um, I think as we um, as we see all these other breweries opening multiple locations uh, and growing at um, a very uh, rapid pace and things like that um, man I've been through slow growth and rapid growth and I can tell you rapid growth is not built for it's not built for distance man it's built for speed so it's very it's very scary to me to to watch that uh, I think the 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 guy that's done it the best hands down is John Lane mm -hmm. uh, John Lane's uh, he's he's got it uh, and he's a master at it and he has a very dupl uh, du duplicatable uh, concept that is, uh, it's it's probably extremely difficult. It, he makes it look easy. So good for him. He's wired for that. He wants to do that. That's something that like I don't know that you know. As I get older and uh, been there, done that, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. So I just want to make uh, BRI just needs to be a couple things. Uh, it needs to be uh, your favorite local uh, independent watering hole and gathering place. Uh, it needs to be. Uh, you know, we need to have top tier beers in the state of Arizona uh, and we need to uh, take care of people the way that we want to be handled ourselves. Like we need to treat people like family and things like that. If we're hitting our core, our core goals and our targets and we grow this thing, that's amazing. Uh, uh, big thing is I just want to be the best at what we do. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that we're ever going to be, I'll, I'll, I'd never be so audacious to say that we're going to make the best beers in Arizona, but I want to strive to make the best beer in Arizona. Yeah, you don't want a bad product. Nobody's, I'm, I'm, I want to make mediocre but, beer. No, not at all. What, what's more important to me than the best, which is always subjective, beer in Arizona, is to make the best beer we're able to make. Mm -hmm. um, as long as we're putting forth our best effort and we're using the best quality ingredients and we're using the best systems and protocols, like then we're, then we're doing what we set out to do. Uh, but I mean, mainly this, this whole concept is this is your, you know, this is your church. This is your town hall. This is your gathering place. This is your third place. This is your local pub. Uh, this is where we want to talk about things that you can't talk about around the dinner table. Um, like we might ruffle some feathers, but fuck it. Like we're in a pub. Like, uh -huh. Let's, let's talk about the revolution, right? Yes. Like let's do all those things that happen in pubs. And like that, that's the, that's the goal, man. I just want to have a really cool spot. And we and we do. So is your so now that you said that, I'm not put you on the spot here, but what is your plan for growth? Because we all we're all all gonna get there, or we all get there at different times. But there always has to be. You can't just sit there because you're gonna have to go oh, to that next oh, level. Oh, so you need a plan for my growth, but you don't need a plan for vacation. Fuck off, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Which is it, bud? So good. No. no, I don't know. That's I struggle with that all the time. I mean, I want it's a dichotomy. Growth. I can't. It is. It. It's like I try to find a little bit of both. And somebody came in. I had another local brewer come in, and we were talking about um, about being busy and about growth. And he made this comment to me, and it just it kind of stuck in my head. And he goes, he goes. I said something about, yeah, you guys are really busy. You're putting this out there, putting this out there. He goes, yeah. He goes, we make beer for the masses. He goes, he goes, we don't make beer for the few. And I was like, wow, that is such a different way to look at the brewing industry right now because there are those breweries who it is all about the growth and expansion and the next location or but the bigger I feel location like that's not us it's it's kind of really not and some people look at it as that's the way to make the money the i don't the, feel like the, that's the, you guys either that's You're not that's not that's not the, the mcdonald's that's the, that's the anti-bri we, yeah. we we still make beer for us uh -huh. like yeah. i we're brewing beer for us and if and you like it like delicious. like that's yeah, for We're me, stoked, I've right? yet to if make the love same it, beer twice. Fair. I'm yeah. going to this week will be this only and 
two and a half years will be the first time that I've actually repeated a beer because so many people asked for it. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that these people love that beer so much that two years later they want it back, and that makes me feel good. Okay, so, I mean, this is what they want. You know, listen, man, like, I'm not going to sit here up on a high horse and pretend like we don't follow market trends. We certainly do. Yeah, you can't ignore them. Yeah, you can't ignore market trends, and you can't ignore customer demand either. So when we have, uh, you know, a beer that people love, um, there, there's a couple beers in our lineup that um, I think are really well made, um, but they're not my style, so I don't mm-hmm. enjoy drinking yeah, them. I don't even fucking drink the beer I'm making again. I don't like it. I made it for April because she likes it. Everybody else loved it. I don't drink it. So, you know, so there's that. Uh, we we make the, the beers that, for instance, that I don't particularly care for the style that we make i still think we make a great representation of that style Mm -hmm. so i'm so proud of it and that's you know why we're still making it um but you know there's certain ingredients that we that individually we don't like there's certain um flavor profiles and styles that we don't like we so we we take a look you know i'll tell you going back a couple years ago you know we were like oh these these hazy new england ipas (laughs) uh well those look like dog shit yeah uh those look horrible like why are people like that's lazy lazy brewer that's a lazy brewer right there like why 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 would they ever put that in a glass and serve to somebody just looks horrible i'm embarrassed for them you know and uh and that was like right as the as they were like coming on and uh and then you smell it and you taste it and you're like, holy shit, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, it just looks awful. And so we thought, okay, well, we, we don't like the way that beer presents, um, but there's a market demand for it. Can we make one of those that we love? You know, can we make one of those that, that like fits our brand and fits our style and won't be, um, you know, contradictive to who we are and what we do, right? Can we, can we do that? And we mulled over that for quite a while, back and forth. And we finally came up with the uh, idea that we could do that. And so we did a couple of trial, um, and we just called them hazy IPAs. We didn't call them New England because mm-hmm. they certainly weren't. But they were basically West Coast IPAs because that's what we know how to do really yeah. well. Um, they were basically West Coast IPAs that were hazy. And then we said, okay, well, I think we got the haze thing kind of figured out. Now let's shift gears and let's, let's really go after that New England style, all late hop edition fruit bombs, things like that. Like, let's, let's go after that. Now that we understand how to keep the haze in the beer, let's, you know, significantly reduce the amount of bittering and put everything late addition in, in dry hops, and let's do that. Um, you know, let's change up our yeast style and, you know, to get it more traditional. And so we did that, and we came up with uh, Urban Art, and Urban Art's been a hit for us. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it tastes like you're drinking a beer in New England. I think that it's a New England style that BRI does, so I think it's still true to us, uh, and it uh, is, I, I think, fairly true to the style as well. Maybe a little more bitter than what people are looking for out of a, a beer like that, but it's been a huge that's success part of for a, us. What we do, we can we can take those styles and yeah. make them our own. This is our interpretation. So, like with my like my English IPA, for sure. People always wanted me to explain it to them. I'm like, look, this is this is my interpretation of what, the kind of beer I kind of fell in love with these IPAs in England. It's not like a Bass, you know, it's not like a Fuller's. This is my interpretation before America took it and made it bigger, badder, and whatever. It's, it's an English-based beer with, with some more hops in it. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a West Coast IPA. It's not a hazy IPA. So it's, it's just an for, IPA. Exactly, yeah. And so they're, like, really curious about it. Luckily, it turned out really nice. People were really happy with it. But that so, allows us to do what we do. Hey, we listen, can make man. Our own versions. I like beer-flavored beer. And it sounds like that's what that is, you yeah. know, like, you know, sometimes a, a beer just, you know, my, every, on these podcasts, especially in interviews and stuff, everybody says, what's your favorite beer? My favorite beer is the one that's in my hand. Mm-hmm. And that's always going to be my answer, man. I, I, I just love having a good, you know, well-made, good representation of just about any beer. There's some that I, you know, I'll probably never drink again for reasons, but, um, but for the most part, like I enjoy beer, so I want to explore and, and you know see new things. I love that because I think we're a lot of times we're again we're anti we're anti establishment. We're a little more creative, a little more artistic. We call it that. I think the entire industry is. Yeah, and that's why I think I'm a little I'm drawn to that because I don't like I said we don't want people to tell me what to do. I don't like people tell me how to dress. I don't like people telling me you got to be here for this time and that time. It's like no, I'll be the one I want to be. I can't be fully on anti. I'm not an anarchist by any means, but 
I want to I want to show and that, them. And that's what's I, wrong with you. That's why that's why that's why like I'm not completely in love with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm yelling at him, he's like, we have to be somewhere at 11:30, and he's still laying in bed at 11, and I'm like, get the fuck out of bed. It feels like you're an anarchist. I beat you here today, though. Absolutely. You know why? Because I ain't on your fucking schedule, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me what time to be here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I let you pick. Uh, no, man. It's uh, sometimes, man. My my wife will ask me a question. She'll be like, "Hey, uh, hey, is there any way uh, before you leave today will you take the trash out?" Don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> and it's just a joke, you know. But it's uh, like almost everything in life, man. Like I like we, I, we're like we're like one of the only if if not the only species on this planet that takes direction from other people like there's a there's like a clear hierarchy right and there's you know there's government and there's state and there's you know there's religion and there's parents and there's there's all this stuff there's your bosses and like people are telling you what to do and man i i just like i remember being young man i remember being like four or five years old like just like in like not being not liking people giving me direction and so I've just always been, and you gotta, you gotta play the game. Like you gotta play the game through life until, until, mm-hmm. until you don't have to play the game. That's why we mm-hmm. went this route. Yeah. We still have to play the game. You still have to, and to an extent mm-hmm. you have to play the game with the feds and you have to play the game yeah, with so the state. You, so you, Mr. Anti-establishment pick the, the industry that is like highly right. relegated. <laughs> the most regulated. Yes. By the government. The most taxed. It's, um, I mean, there's regulations that we have to play with, right? But so, like, I'm not going to let, uh, I'm not going to let forms and taxes scare me away from doing what I want to do. So it's almost like I'm, I'm doing it in spite of them. Like, uh, they put in so many layers to say, hey, we're going to make this challenge for you. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't care about your challenge. I'm going to do it anyways. I don't, I don't like paying the taxes. I don't like paying any taxes, man. Um, but if, if that's what I have to do on a very small scale to follow my dream and our collective dream and and do what we want to do in life then i mean i'll play that game it's it's self-serving it gets me where i want to be so when that person comes over the bar one day and you're back there and he's like hey matt can i ask you a question about starting a brewery what do you tell those people uh, somebody that's wanting to start a new brewery yeah oh i i tell them to first of all i tell them to fucking buckle up uh buckle up tie your shoelaces because you're gonna be running uh it's um we get that a lot, and we've gotten a lot for you know since we've been open, right? Uh, it's gonna be harder than you think it's gonna be. Oh God, that's like the biggest understatement. You're you're not gonna make the money you think you're gonna make. You need three times as much money going in and twice as much time as you think you need. Uh, if you think that this is a fun industry that you're gonna make a lot of money at, uh, you're like horribly mistaken. There, are, there is a lot of fun, and there are a lot of great people and great relationships. And it is, in general, uh, industry-wide, it's a fun business. Um, dealing with drunk patrons on a Friday night is not fun. Nope. Um, it's not always fun, okay? Um, it has the potential to be fun, but it also has the potential to really suck some days. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta have a thick skin. Thick so skin. So. You, gotta have, uh, you gotta be willing to put in hours and hours and hours uh, honing your brand. Uh, you know, your product quality is one part of it, um, but your brand your brand is a combination of every single thing you do. Who you are, what your voice is, what do you look like, smell like, talk like, walk like, what does it sound like? Like everything is your brand. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of uh, companies out there that have like very fragmented branding um, I've seen one recently that has like dialed in branding and then launched a new beer that almost looks like they're trying to separate it from the rest of their branding. And so I don't know if that the intention is to create their own brand or I can't wait to talk to this off the air. <laughs> um, but it looks nothing like the core brand at all. So they're either trying to disassociate that product with their brand or they're trying to create a whole new um branding opportunity uh but it's 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 odd man branding's got to be solid and consistent uh you're an accountant you're a uh you know you're you're doing scheduling you're coaching and uh counseling your employees about 
personal things that you don't want to hear about. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Oh uh, my God. You're getting uh, friend requests from employees that started two days ago on Facebook, and you're okay, like, let, let, let's stop you right there. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? We, I think we've talked about this. We, ha- we, we haven't. We've never done this on here. And I actually had an attorney friend of mine tell me that she actually started two separate accounts because. You know, she's a she's an attorney, and people listen to know what we're talking about. But that well, people will look at her like having a drink with her husband and some friends somewhere at the lake, and all of a sudden, like these colleagues will send her friend requests or make comments about that. And she goes, it becomes a point in your professional life where you almost do live two separate lives. You have to have your own personal life where you don't need to worry about putting shit out there because people would absolutely use it against you. We've actually done two separate podcasts trying to talk about social media, and we've scrapped them both because they get too personal, too direct, and it's hard to do it. So I'm kind of curious about, like, what are these other people, how do they handle it? Because I've been told, you get these friend requests, you accept them. They're your brand. They're your friends. These are your potential customers. Other people say, you know what, you don't. These aren't your friends. These are people that like you because they like your brand, not you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was friends, I'm friends with Tommy Arthur from Lost Abbey. Sure. And I love the fact that he sent out this email one day and said, look, this was a Facebook message. I started my Facebook page before Facebook became really a thing. A lot of people I'm friends with because they might be industry people, they might be fans of ours, they might be people who really like my brewery. I've decided to make this more of a personal thing from friends and family and people that I know about my personal life. If you love my beer, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Go like our page. If I unfriend you, please don't take this personally. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that? Okay, so, um, yeah. All right, it's a tough one, man. So, uh, this is wisdom right here. I People have, remember this. No, I have, this is I have, twelve hundred unresponded to friend requests sitting in Facebook right now. Twelve hundred. Okay. What? So wow, love it. So it's uh, it's mind numbing, man. Um, first of all, the vast majority of those are people, and I, I look at them and I go, I don't know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who you are. So my basic rule of thumb is is if I've had a personal interaction with somebody, uh, and not just a hi, how are you? My name's Matt, and you know, blah blah blah. Uh, not the superficial, but if I've had a personal react, if I've if I've sat down. Had a beer with you. Uh, spent any amount of quality time with the person. At that point in time, I'm comfortable letting them into my inner circle. I love my circles. So, um, it's few and far between. I have a lot of people in the industry um, that I that I don't let in that constantly pester me. Um, Send me multiple friend requests, and I just don't let them in. And, and it's just because maybe it's I don't know you that well, or maybe we're still getting to know each other. Um, more importantly, like anybody that's, anybody that's in on that uh, page knows that nine times out of ten, if I'm on Facebook, I'm going off on a rant uh, <laughs> about, uh, you know, about our it's you know, great reading. judicial it system. I would buy that book. And I would keep it. I would not dust it off. There's I would probably, leave it on the shelf. There's probably a book in there somewhere. But, um, <laughs> but I, I definitely, like, uh, I, I post stuff about a lot of things that people don't want to talk about and acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm a button pusher, for sure. Uh, it's, it's very, uh, very like, large-scale social uh, issues uh, that I usually like to talk about. Like, I've got no problem calling uh, Catholic priests kid fuckers because that's what they are, right? Um, so fuck them. They're horrible people and they hide behind this wall of the Catholic church. Like, fuck them. Burn it all down. Burn it. Okay? And like, I'll make posts like that. I don't know that everybody that sends me a, a, a friend request wants that in their newsfeed, right? So I, I, I'm pretty selective on it, right? Uh, about who I want to let in on uh, some of my crazy. But you're um, not shy about who you are. No, I'm you not at all. You are by far the most secure person is, is of who you are. I know who I am. Anybody that I know. Exactly. And I love that about you. So I was like curious, like how do you, but and again, you are a people pleasing person. You're running a business. And yeah. it, it, when so, do you, where, where is that cutoff that you okay, let so into I, your circle? I've had, 
I, it, it's it's when it's when I connect with somebody on a fundamental level and that like I want to engage them in more than just one-on-one or when it's somebody that I know I don't see in person very often but I really genuinely like that person and I want to stay connected with them when I know that hey my crazy is not gonna make them you know run off the deep end like like it, it's it's when we get to that level in the relationship where there's an acceptance and like we genuinely um, at least on a on a basic level, fundamentally know who each other are. Um, that like that's important to me. So like my employees, like they'll send me friend requests like as soon as they start here, and it, sometimes it takes them more than a year to get that response, and they all don't get it. There's only a couple of them that have, yes. right? Uh, so um, the ones that I have uh, engaged in on that level, I know that we've had some real conversations, and I get them, and they get me, and so. I'm okay with that. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with that because that's a person, like I said earlier, like we built a tribe here. Like these are people, like I don't want people here that I don't want to see and I don't want to deal with. I don't want people that like, you know, adding and multiplying, not subtracting and dividing, right? I want people that here that, that, that like feed my soul and feed my life and like make things better. So if you're that person and you're here and then we genuinely vibe, then well, that's cool. Um, but if it's somebody from another brewery and another part of the state that I see once a year and I don't know, like, cool, man. Like I, I, I get that we're fellow brewery owners and I like your page and you like mine. And the next time we see each other, let's have a conversation in real life. Let's be friends in real life mm-hmm. before we're friends on the internet. Because if I don't know you, I just don't, I just don't know you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I get a lot of criticism in our craft beer community for being off the fucking rails, dude. I love it. And I don't give a shit. Uh, I, 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 again, I know who I am. I'm confident in who I am. Uh, I, I, I back up the things that I go off the rails about, uh, and I firmly 100% believe in them. So like if, if somebody can't find acceptance in that, and if they can't find acceptance in that I am as in as genuine as it comes, then I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I don't care. It's, it's, it's inconsequential. And that's, that's, that's what I just admire about you more than anything. You are who you are. And I feel like, honestly, I, I feel honored that I'm like within one of your rings of your circle because you, you made it, boo. You thanks, made it, buddy. <laughs> and so one of the things I think about now is I didn't bring this up, but we, we lost we lost one of these people that people would go to recently mm-hmm. to ask a lot of questions. And for me, if if now that that's gone and if I didn't know that you would be the man I would come to. And I'm not telling people to come ask Matt for advice, but if you ever run into Matt, you're, the amount of time and the amount of knowledge that they can get from a little conversation with you is, is vital to these kind of people, starting breweries, even starting businesses. Because you, you're, you're, you're not apologetic. You tell them how it is, and you're, you are you. You are true you. And I, it's, I think that's just one of the coolest things in this industry that – I think some people are really lacking sometimes. Yeah, man. I think that like just in society in general, like everybody's uh, really concerned about status quo and I've, I never have been right. So, um, I feel like if, your Yelp reviews are awesome. Your replies. Whole, I'm a, sorry. Your replies. I mean, that's a whole different podcast. It is. <laughs> so, so, uh, and also I haven't done that in quite a while. Uh, Such so, a reading. So I think that in general, in society, people are really driven by the status quo. They want to fit in. They don't want to rock yep. the boat, things like that, mm-hmm. right? I personally feel that when people take that approach, they're not doing themselves or the other people that they're communicating with any service whatsoever. All they're doing is they're deflecting maybe a potential strong conversation that people could grow from. So what I'm all about is I'm all about having real conversations with real people. And so if you ask me for advice on something, you're going to get a straight shot on it. Now, I, I think that I do, and you can hear it right now in this explanation, I do a, a fair amount of, you know, presenting it in, in a way that, that people aren't just going to immediately run for the hills, right? So I think you got to uh, level, something, level something up for uh, people to understand and, and at least be able to digest it. Because if you're just like, listen, motherfucker, you're an idiot. Like, immediately, <laughs> everything, all the doors shut, right? So Sometimes people need to hear that, though. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but they'll, like, but, but they, sometimes people need to hear that, but they'll ears. never be responsive to it. it they'll immediately. But are those the people who? So yeah, yeah, shut and, it off and, and go send you something else. That was that was directed at nobody in particular. What I, what I'm getting at is that I'm uh, 
I'll I'll be real and direct. And sometimes like my curtness and my directness isn't always the the most well received. Um, but it, it'll always be honest and genuine. And I do take special uh, effort to make sure that I that I don't hurt people's feelings because I know that people have their emotions and their investment and all their time and their ideas. And ideas are super important to people, man. Uh, so when it's your idea, no, you don't want anybody shitting on it, right? So you it's have to like, give them some perspective. You got you to you put some things in some bubble wrap um, at the same time to their... The, please uh you have to bubble wrap their feelings but not the issues issues can always be handled directly okay um feelings uh believe it or not i'm very empathetic i have empathy man uh so i don't in, believe it no it's I true it. i'm i'm very empathetic that was like, sarcasm i i know i know what it's like to be in your shoes um, or, or and if I've never been in them, I can at least project out and, and at least try to imagine. And so I, I have that that empathy. But then there's then there's like real deal, like real life, like this is what we're doing, and here's what I've seen, and here's what you're facing coming down the pipeline. Uh, that's all real. And so if I sugarcoat that, or if I don't approach that directly and honestly, um, then I'm just blowing smoke up your ass. And what does that do for me? What does that do for you? And I just walk away as a fucking liar. I'm not a fucking liar. You Love know what it. I mean? Love it. Like, so wow. that's what it's all about. It's about how do I sleep at night, right? So if I have a conversation with somebody and I'm just blowing smoke up their ass, then like I'm the one that's got to look at me in the mirror and go, you're a fucking liar. And, mm. and I, don't want, I can't do that. Mm. I need my sleep, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I need my sleep. So I got to be honest with myself and others, yep. right? Um, because the, the, only, the only... Oh, yeah. No, yeah. not you. Oh. No, it's the, like... It's no, for sure, I could. No, we could talk for days. So the 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 only thing with that is is that you the the only person that knows who you are and knows where you're at and will never lie to you is you. So why not just be direct in life? Right? There's your lesson for the day, right there, Matt. The thank more you. you know. Thank you. I mean, we can go on. We do this beforehand. We do this afterhand, and we're gonna do this again. I hope. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I love it. I can't thank you enough for doing this, buddy. Um, yeah. Well, I was kind of waiting. I was like, why am I number 11? But I get it. Oh. Well, oh, well, you're all the way over here yeah, on the east yeah. side. I'm kidding. It's uh, far th away. Thank you. I do appreciate no, it. No, thank you. Um, anytime you guys ever want to do this, you know I'm down. Yeah. So just be Are prepared. Are you going to do the charcuterie podcast and talk about overspray you, with us? You don't want to do that. Yes. Yes, you do. I'll do it. That'll be fun. I'll do it's it. fun. It's totally fun. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, awesome, buddy. The, the, Missy's already asked about you. Can we get mad on this? Yes, we can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm in. But thank you. Oh. Honestly, thank you. Um, we'll do this again because we can just go on up another tangent, and we've got so many other stuff we could talk about. But you're the most truest guy, and honest, this was the biggest episode I've been waiting for because... I, I feel like this, like, pales in comparison to Mario's. <laughs> I, I just, uh. like, like, I'm going to be a Mario shadow uh, on your, on the, on the podcast Oh, list. that was fun. Let's see how this goes. But you know what the difference is? is people will listen to this because they want to. They didn't listen to this because it, it's, it's not the N Esquire magazine of the grocery store checkout. <laughs> this is, this is real. Esquire. Well, that was real, too. Esquire. That was real as well. Yeah, but it, but more it was more about people wanting to know than anything else. Absolutely, yeah. It was angry people listening to the <laughs> podcast, <laughs> not interested people. And I can't wait to see what you invent next. <laughs> no, there's I got I got I got more tricks in the bag, man. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. You got it. All right, we're out. Peace. <laughs>